You have found the Runaround Iowa, the podcast that's dedicated to interviews with the athletes, coaches, and personalities who are making headlines in college cross country and track and field, professional road running, triathlon, and trail running in the state of Iowa. And now from the home office in Clive, here is your host, Lance Bergeson. All right, Sammy Hagar and the boys at Van Halen picking up the tempo here for my intro song. For the run around Iowa, it's appropriate that I use run around for, for Van Halen, right? Uh, it was inevitable that I was going to jump over to that song. I love the previous song. I love the previous band, Collective Soul, used their song Run uh, for the intro. But uh, God, uh, run around just gets you kind of excited for a show. And what a show I've got here. Uh, I've got my usual uh, monthly guest here, Josh Yeager, former Center Point Urbana Drake University and South Dakota State star now with the Minnesota Distance Elite. He'll update his progress from the stress fractures. Things are going well with him. Uh, he'll check in later on in the show. But I wanted to dedicate this first half of the show to a guy who has really, well, he's done so much for the running community here in Des Moines, Chris Birch. Um, uh, he just unassumingly uh, stepped away from uh, the IMT Des Moines Marathon race director job on uh, April 27th. He put on his Facebook page, I have a new job there. Um, and, and what a job it is. I, I, I am thrilled for him. Um, it's a great move for him. He's now the director of operations, the principal charity classic. This is a, a phenomenal tournament, of course. We all know the Champions Tour event. Uh, it's a $2 million uh, purse for the senior uh, golfers, and it's coming right up here at Wakanda Golf Course June 2nd through 4th. Since uh, principals took over in 2007, for instance, it's raised more than $37 million. So he's joining a really good um, organization there with the Principal Charity Classic. And Principal Charity, uh, Principal is... Uh, extended its title sponsorship uh, earlier this year through 2028. So an even better move for Chris to jump over to the Charity Classic because he knows it's going to be in town for five more years. And so he's going to be the guy who's going to be making sure the grandstands get put in and, and, you know, everything is working the way it should. We got all the food stands in place and uh, get just everything, all the logistics stuff, which we've grown to know and, um, and, expect from a Chris Birch badge race. That is what he's going to be doing at Principal Charity Classic. The new race director will be Jake Jass. He has been the race director for the Des Moines Ironman event, which is coming up next month here. Uh, Jake is originally from Ankeny, and he established the Ironman event, brought it, brought it here, brought that uh, uh, prestigious Ironman name to uh, Iowa in June of 2020 and has been really uh, pretty instrumental in the success of the race. It's going to be a half Ironman this year, but Jake, of course, has been involved with, you know, uh, this uh, event with um, bringing a lot of runners to Iowa, a lot of triathletes from around the nation uh, to Des Moines. So um, it's not a, a lot different than what he'll be doing. It's just instead of triathlon, it's going to be running. So he's going to be doing course design, um, working with volunteers, sponsorship, um, local business, community leaders, trying to make sure that it's 
gets the sponsorship that it needs and profitable. And Jake had to say this about um, the job um, uh, in the press release that was announced a week ago, exactly as I'm recording this. He said, Chris Birch did an incredible job with the IMT Des Moines Marathon, and I am thankful for all the hard work he has put into it. I look forward to the opportunity to build off Chris's efforts to continue to provide Des Moines with an event that inspires and challenges runners of all ability and supports the local economy. The IMT Des Moines Marathon is a highlight of the local calendar, and I'm committed to making a world-class event that runners will remember for years to come. And, and the race is on October 15th this year. But I did um, want to... Uh, give a bit of a tribute to Chris for all the hard work he's done and the uh, his uh, standards that he's uh, brought this race up to uh, during his 17 years and nine months as IMT Marathon Race Director. He started in August of 2005 when the race was on life support. Uh, the previous executive director, Helene Navelle, uh, the race um, was in the red. It was not doing financially well. It was struggling. She was going to pull the plug on it. And fortunately, uh, Tom Bernal, the president and CEO of the company that bought the marathon, Bernal Capital Partners, took it on. Uh, they, they purchased it, said, I think we can do something with this. We just need the right sponsorships. We need to get um, businesses on board. And it's, a, it, it's an Iowa company here. They're located right on Grand Avenue in West Des Moines. Bernal, of course, one of the first things he did was hire Chris Birch, who at the time was communications director of Salisbury House and Gardens. He had been there three years. He was the marketing and communication person, uh, pulling off uh, special events coordination as well for private and public events. That's what he was doing. So this was a bit of a leap of faith, hiring Chris because he was not a person that was, uh, you know, putting on road races um, out of state or, you know, uh, other big marathons here. Um, this was a guy who was a marketing and communications guy, Drake University grad in town. He was a, definitely a runner. He knew of him. And um, he said, I think, I think Chris is the guy. And it was a brilliant hire. Let's just put it that way. Because... Um, Chris elevated it from, they had 566 half marathon finishers in the first year under Helene Neville in 2002. And by the year, um, 2007, um, it had grown to 2,443 finishers as well as 1,428 for the marathon. They had just over a thousand in 2002. And, um, and you got to remember, 2005 was basically a write-off. Chris joined as race director in August of that year, so two months before the race was going on. So that year was, a, that year was written off, basically, because who knew whether it was game even going to be held? And, and it was barely held that year. Um, but um, what, what did he do uh, it, the next year when he fully had a year to implement it? Added a 5K, brilliant idea. Added a marathon relay, another brilliant idea. Um, I did that one year. A marathon relay was a lot of fun. 5K is still one of their big uh, uh, added races uh, to the calendar uh, this year. Um, 
they've that, that race has has grown every year that the 5k has um so that's been a real positive for them and um it's been all the way uh growth every year up and up through 2013 when um that marathon day had 1747 finishers that is uh the most in race history and the half marathon unbelievably had 5170 finishers so that's their high water mark for the race in 2013 so you talk about a a, a tremendous eight-year build that, that chris did to build this race from like i said uh what 16 1500 1600 finishers to now uh way over six thousand. so um but uh, numbers are just part of the story of what chris did um uh he consistently made this marathon a top 10 national marathon ranked by bibrave which is a leading endurance and fitness marketing agency it was uh consistently a favorite of runners everybody who's come to des moines um consistently uh ranks it um as one of their uh, uh marathons that they enjoy the most it gets high re high remarks every year high grades every year from all the athletes and they keep coming back he brought in inclusive races wheelchair uh athletes um Prize money went up thanks to IMT Des Moines Marathon sponsorship. That was one of the things that helped save this race was bringing in IMT and IMT loaded up uh, their prize money for a few years there to try to break the course record when that was really important to that company. And um, and they had course records come through here. David Tui uh, was one of the guys um, who um, set... Uh, set that course record uh, during that time and earned a nice bonus for that. So that helped uh, bring in these uh, top athletes. Um, started a pasta dinner. You got to have a pasta dinner with a marathon. And um, that was uh, a big, a big, uh, a, a nice addition, uh, as well as the race expo. Race expo is uh, consistently uh, top quality. I, I've been to a lot of race expos. Uh, for marathons and um, IMT is really good for the size of the market it is a really good expo um, excellent quality um, every year um, he brought in uh, Jeff Galloway his run walk school for years and years that was a good collaboration they had um, Galloway's school um, was always a, 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 a nice addition to it uh, with bringing his expertise Galloway a former American, uh, a marathoner in the Olympics. And now his daughter, Carissa, has been a finish line announcer uh, for the past few years, along with Cree Kelly. Uh, he brought in Catherine Switzer in 2015 as a guest speaker. Um, Catherine entered the Boston Marathon uh, in 1967. Kay Switzer, we all know she, um, avoid, <laughs> she avoided a tackle attempt from Jack Semple, um, thanks to her boyfriend at the time, uh, the race director uh, tried to block her from running anymore. And fortunately, um, uh, the boyfriend uh, was able to knock him to the ground and she was able to keep running and became the first female to ever finish the Boston Marathon. 
so she spoke at the pasta dinner um, and it was really a, a treat to uh, meet her. So that was a really um, nice guest to bring in. So just things like that that he did. There's so many other things that he did. Uh, Children's Cancer Connection. Uh, I can't I can't forget that. Uh, uh, you can now sign up to raise money for that uh, that charity. That's a new program, uh, relatively new. So so many things that he's done here. Um, he, there's been a couple uh, bumps in the road here. Certainly, um, the one that uh, jumps out to me is the year that uh, the train uh, won uh, over the marathoners, really. Um, in 2009, a train uh, blocked the course um, right on 4th, 4th Avenue there, uh, Southwest 4th. And uh, Simon Sawai had a 10-second lead and um, got, to the, got to that intersection, and he was blocked by a train. That allowed... Uh, David Tui, the guy I mentioned, uh, a former winner, they were stopped at the at the at the train for, well, what was a good probably uh, a minute probably, um, so that was uh, that was a real uh, a little bit of a an unfortunate incident for the race. The train, uh, I wrote that article uh, that day that Sunday night. Um, I never thought I'd be talking to a, a train, <laughs> a train executive <laughs> representative, along with uh, Tom Bernau, uh, um that night. But that was the case, and the train did take full responsibility. It had been all set up for the train not to go through during the marathon, and yet somebody didn't get the memo there. So certainly not Chris Birch's fault for that. But that was uh, definitely one of those days that. Um, he certainly, um, certainly would like to forget on that one. And of course, who can forget 2020 when, um, this race, um, took a year off because of the pandemic. Um, there was going to be no race here. The city of Des Moines would not, uh, allow any competitions of enough people. So that had to have been a really tough year for, uh, Chris, um, not to, you know what are you going to do when your 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 whole income is 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 on a marathon race that doesn't get held? Um, had to have been a tough year financially for him, um, not having a race. He was so excited when it came back in twenty twenty one, and and we had over six thousand runners in the city uh, for that comeback year in twenty twenty one. So it was great to have it back. Um, everybody was excited to get them. Uh, IMT back. The numbers still have not come back, but this is a trend that's been there nationally. Um, runners are down uh, all across the board in races, and it's just because people have not come back to um, to racing, and it's not uh, solely IMT marathon um, uh, related here. Um, runners numbers are just down, and so it's going to fall on Jake Jass to try to get those numbers back up. Um, and, and Chris Birch's final uh, event, uh, I, I, I was there. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this was his final appearance as race director in a public event, and that was the Iowa Wolves DMAS IMT Indoor Marathon in March during an Iowa Wolves game when four 
board members of the IMT Des Moines Marathon ran an indoor marathon uh, that night. And um, who knew that um, that March night that he was going to be leaving his, uh, leaving the job a month later um, to go to Principal Charity Classic. But I, like I said, I'm thrilled for Chris. It's a, it's a great uh, promotion. He really couldn't turn it down. I mean, that's um, an, an opportunity to uh, go to an event that has a purse of $2 million a year. And like I said, it's going to be here for another uh, through 2028. So what does that make? Six years, right? So he knows it's going to be a stable job for him. So you can't fault him for that. But he does leave two incredibly big shoes to fill by uh, for Jake Jass. And um, and so um, I'll be eager to see um, how the next few years plays out with this race um, to see if, as he says, um, he's going to try to elevate the race. Um, it'll be uh, very interesting to see if he can pull that off because Chris definitely set a very high bar for this event over his 17 years and nine months as race director of the IMT Des Moines Marathon. Joining me now for our monthly chat, former center pointer, Banna, Drake University and South Dakota state runner, Josh Yeager. Hello, Josh. Hello, back again, back running a bit more and yeah, excited to talk to you today. That's good to hear. Uh, how many, how many miles are you up to? And, um, are we getting closer toward um, doing some higher mileage or not? Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like little, it'll be like 21 miles this week. So, oh, I mean, not much compared to what I've done in the past, but I mean, it's, it's a step forward. Um, and it's, you know, still cross training. And like I had mentioned before, we're not really in a rush to, get racing so it's just taking the slow builds um but yeah i think after this uh we'll start going up a little bit quicker um still nothing too crazy uh in terms of workouts and stuff we're probably not gonna do much i assume until probably over or right around 50 miles just because i want to kind of hit that mid-range mileage and then get a couple weeks of that under my belt and then start pushing it a little bit more um just because we want to we want to balance the volume increase with the intensity um without overdoing it which i think is kind of last time around you know i kind of i was pretty intense so i was trying to come back pretty quick and then that combined with quick mileage you know it's a recipe for um, disaster. So just being a little more patient. Um, nothing. I started doing some like strides and drills this week. Uh, so I did some strides on Tuesday and my my butt was sore the whole next day because I hadn't run that fast in a while. So, um, but, but I've noticed it, you know, things start to feel better um, a little bit quicker. It was kind of disheartening the first few runs because, uh, you know, heart rate was through the roof and it felt like my body was fighting me. But now running's feeling a little more relaxed. Um, it's warmer out. I've been going in the afternoons, so uh, can't say I love 80 degree heat, but it's better than negative 
whatever it was when I was uh, getting back. So, yeah. I'll take that all the time. Uh, 80 degrees. That's for sure. Over, over the opposite. Yeah. So how does the, for a 21 mile week, how does that break down as far as mileage per day? And is it all outdoor running then uh, all pavement? You're, you're mixing in grass, uh, some soft gravel. What's it all? What are you running on surface wise? Um, so I, yeah, no, I, um, so what the week looks like, uh, so the last two weeks we were just like four days of four miles. Okay. Uh, and then so two weeks ago we had like every other day was running. Um, so it ended up being like a day in between each run. Then last week we did Monday, Tuesday back to back, a day off. And then um, I think maybe it was two. No, we did Tuesday, Wednesday back-to-back, a day off, um, Friday, Saturday, back-to-back, a day off. So then just getting my body used to consecutive days. Um, Like, this is really slow, (laughs) really slow stuff, but it's what we got to do. So and then, so we got used to consecutive days, and this week we're throwing in another day, and that day is going to be six miles. Um, So just kind of bumping that up. A little bit longer to around that 40 minutes um, up from the 25 to 28 that I have been doing. And then uh, in terms of surfaces, I live in Minneapolis. So it's, unless I drive out, it's kind of tough to get too much for soft surfaces. Um, It's kind of hard to justify driving 20 minutes for a 20 minute run, but, uh, (laughs) but uh there's a, I live next to the chain of lakes, which is three huge lakes, and they have these outer, like, single track trails. So the inner loop is walkers outer, and runners, outer loop is bikers with a speed limit of 10 miles an hour. So oftentimes we'll be, we'll be on there, <laughs> and bikers don't appreciate that much. Um, but, like, just on the outside of that, there's just, like, little single tracks where, like, mountain bikes go on. So it's nothing like technical or anything. It's just this skinny little track with some grass and gravel. So I'll go on there. Uh, If I ran in the morning, which I need to start getting the motivation to do, I'd be more apt to go go out on those single tracks. But in the afternoon, those lakes are crowded. So I try to to stay away from people, just kind of get my own groove. But... uh, Okay. So so kind of a... Popular Yeah, popular. Wow. So, so, so Coach Lundstrom's really uh, kid glove here, treating you, <laughs> yeah, taking it really easy, making sure nothing breaks, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the you know, the way it's all uh, formulating here. Right, right. And, you know, that's as, as frustrating as it may be. It's like, you know, I also asked for a slow build up because I'm just like, you know, we're we're not going to do this again. Uh, I hope not. I don't want to get, you know, injured yeah. again for quite a while. So it's in running 40 or 50 mile weeks right now, uh, which is probably where I would have been in my last buildup. Isn't going to do me any better in the fall when I start racing, you know, it's not going to be a huge amount of changing fitness if i'm not doing any workouts right now and i'm still cross training on the off days and whatnot so i'm still getting the fitness it's just 
you know, having the impact less on my body. So. Okay. Does that, does that make you stir crazy uh, a little bit, you know, having to run here one day off the next and then run down another day and kind of drive you a little crazy? Uh, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. Um, I guess on the, on the days I bike, I don't worry as much about like what I eat and stuff just cause you know, you can eat closer to when you bike and not get any stomach upset stuff. So my eating yeah. schedule is maybe a little bit different between the days, but um, uh, uh, just, you know, in, a, in my, my room on a stationary bike with the TV going and going nowhere. So as long as it's less doing that, I'm, uh, I'm pretty content right now. So Or sitting on your couch in a boot, right? Right. Yeah. No, that wasn't fun either. So That's, that's got to be the worst of all being completely sidelined. Um, speaking of sidelines, um, I, I imagine you probably watched some of the Drake relays um, online during that time. Um, what was your overall feeling of it and um you had some teammates race there too right yeah yeah so we had colin and owen did the road mile 1500 track double uh i think colin got i don't know if it was ninth or tenth i think the results might have showed something different like when they first came up versus the finish result that or maybe I'm going crazy, but he was top 10, so it was really cool. And then Owen got to run in another championship, which is cool. Uh, and then on the track and stuff, I had some previous teammates running as well. My former roommate from South Dakota State, Joseph Minor Williams, was the top collegiate in the five. The only guy that beat him was former NCAA champion Edwin Kurgott and Right. <laughs> I mean, he was a ways ahead, but, um, but yeah, it, it was still pretty cool to see, you know, my, like an old roommate who I used to train with every day do really well. And then Drake had some other really solid performance, uh, Drake and, um, South Dakota state both had really solid performances. So from an alumni perspective, it was, it was pretty cool to see. Um, but yeah, it was, I guess it was kind of weird not being there. Um, but but yeah, so. And the weather was actually nice for a change. Uh, yeah, Joseph just uh, dashed to the hopes of uh, an Iowan to win a summit title at 10,000 meters was uh, phenomenal uh, last week, right? Right to the finish line, those two guys dueled. So it's a tremendous battle there. Yeah. So, I, I he won a couple that. titles. Won yep. A couple titles, summit title. Yeah, I talked to him after and. Uh, I said, oh, you did? You know, okay. I said, you know, you left that 10K a little too close. And he's like, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I guess it was just like a last 200 sprint. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And then the the 5K, he he beat my championship record, which. Oh, he did. Okay. I didn't realize by like, that. By like three seconds, but. 1424. And I did it on a 90 degree day when I had run the 1500 earlier that day. So I'm still going to say mine was a little bit more impressive than his, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> and, and his shoe technology was just uh, uh, 5% better than yours, probably. Uh, oh. between, between, between the years, probably. Just that little extra boost in, in, in technology. Yeah, well... Seems, well like all these, 
seems like all these collegians are just running these phenomenally crazy times. Uh, when I do my blog, it, it, it's just nuts uh, how uh, how these college runners are, are just making like the four minute mile, you know, just so easy now. Um, you know, running three fifty for fifteen hundred is like no no problem. It's just it's just a snap for them now. Yeah. No, I remember I remember that my sophomore at Drake. My huge goal was to run like 350, 351 in the 1500. And I was like stoked when I did that. And back yeah. then, that got me into the, the fast heat at the Drake Relays. Um, so it's like, you know, it's it's a different era. I mean, it's it's crazy. I see you guys from, from Iowa, like D3 schools. Running some 14. Like running level four hours and it's yeah it's right. just stuff you, right. you didn't see before and I'm just like I have you know granted it's because I haven't really I'm a little bit older now and I don't really know the guys um, that have recently graduated or are in college now but I see a lot of these guys and I'm like I've never heard of these names before and they're they went to Wartburg or like Central and they're, yeah. they're running that holy crap like it's amazing. Yeah, Collett, the guy who won the steeplechase uh, NCAA championship last year. Spencer Moon, Simpson guy. Yeah. Yeah, he popped off some great times for the AR, uh, ARC uh, conference meet. Yeah, it's it's just uh, phenomenal. And then, of course, women uh, side, too, as well. I did do a podcast my last – well, two two podcasts ago where I was fairly critical of the, of the relays and, and how uh, – other pro fields kind of slipped a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have any opinions on that at all? Is that something that... Um, pro, field, really? pro field in terms of like the which races? Well, they, they didn't have an 800 this year. Oh, yeah. So we didn't see guys like Selinski and um, Clayton Murphy. Um, yeah, I mean, I only I only really watched a few races. Um you know, the ones with my, my teammates from South Dakota and then my current teammates. So I didn't, and I wasn't there. Um, Aaron kind of getting the feeling of the atmosphere is like, you know, totally different than watching it online. Um, I did definitely notice there were, you know, a lot of differences in the teams. Like I remember in the past, uh, okay. there used to be um, – like university and college divisions. And then um, it was always a point of contention in the distance races. Like, you know, they probably should have been combined in a lot of cases. I noticed that with the college, it seemed like not as deep this year, especially. I remember back when I was in high school, uh, they used to have like the pro shuttle hurdle relay and stuff like that, where all the... That's right, yeah. Yeah, all the pros. I remember one of my one of my teammates at the time, he... Um, it was Ashton Eaton was there and it was, right. it was like, it was like all their goals to meet up with Ashton Eaton. Um, you know, I got a picture with Matt Centrowitz when I was there, when I was in high school and it was pretty surreal, like seven years later, lining up next to him in a race. But, you know, it's, it, it definitely has, you know, changed a bit over the years. Like for a lot of the Americans, there's, um, kind of incentive if they do the mile double but like i think for like a lot of the other people that would usually show up maybe for some of those races like i know murphy like races a little more sparingly now and so mm-hmm. i don't know if he's more like 
pacing now. Um, but I know yeah, he's, like he's he's the big pacer for the for the uh, Diamond League, and and that's where Murphy ran uh, over at uh, Doha. Yeah. There. Yeah, the following week. Yeah, and then so, there's the there's the sound running events too that always have really good fields that you know, and the the pen relays also. Um, yeah, they, takes they really. They kicked it like it was always those two relays on the weekend, but they really kicked it in the last couple of years with like on funding them and stuff. So they're like putting in the big box trying to get people there. And then they got the like the uh the what it, what's it called? I'm totally blanking. It's like the the track fest or whatever the next week. Um I did that, the Drake and then the Sound Running Track Fest double last year. And that was pretty okay. exhausting for me. Um, that next week after all the travel was like, that was the first race I dropped out of in a long time. So it's like, you know, from if if there's all these meets and opportunities going on, it's kind of like picking and choosing what makes sense. Uh, so it's, so, yeah. Go on, yeah. Ahead. go on ahead. I was going to say, it just almost seems like, um, you know, it's there's just just more meets. I wouldn't say it's like oversaturated with meets because I definitely think all these meets in different areas of the country are great and they're allowing more people to run. But it, you know, it also it shifts the clientele of the meets as well, is is what I what I believe. But and do you think some of the pro athletes in particular, we're talking distance running because that's that's our you know that's our focus here. Mm-hmm. Do you think more of these athletes are kind of. Uh, not jumping into meets in, in April, um, kind of uh, waiting until May, maybe. Guys like Clayton Murphy, uh, skipping Drake. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely say so. Um, quite a few. I mean, Drake is, you know, it's getting near the end of the season for when you're in college. It's just the very start of the season when you're, when you're post-collegiate. And it's, it's kind of a... It's interesting because you don't you don't want to like overdo it at the time. Like, do you run there? A lot of the people who are like trying to make teams and whatnot already have the standard, whether they got it like last summer or they're just, you know, that good where they're going to get like a world championship standard, like just a month before USA's or whatever. So it's like, it seems like for a lot of, because a lot of Americans don't go to Europe and there's not a ton of, uh, diamond league or IAAF points available so like the silver level bronze level gold level like it's all great when like a us and you get more points and you're ranking up but like for a lot of people if they have the standard it just you know doesn't matter it's just kind of like oh that's like icing on the cake but it's like i don't like need to go to these places because you know I, I can like train through some things you know i can get more base work in and pour all my eggs into you know, making a U.S. team or whatever. So, I mean, it's it's kind of different um, just how people race a little more sparingly now too, um, especially going into the pro level. And then, um, yeah, kind of going off on a tangent, but <laughs> yeah, it's just... Okay. Wow. Yeah. So if you're, uh, let's say you're healthy here and you've got, you know, the July 6th USA Outdoors starts on that day coming up, how many races would you ideally have would have liked to have run before you go into the 5,000, let's say? 
how, oh. many, how, how many track races uh, would, would be ideal preparation? Yeah, I mean, I like, I mean, obviously I would need to run a fast enough 5,000 to get in. So that would be like one of the races would be a fast 5,000. Um, probably another 5,000 as well. Um, like an earlier one. Um, like maybe, you know, just kind of getting the, the feel for the race. Maybe not necessarily going for like an earth shattering time to, for me you might, like, have to, you might have gone to brian clay then maybe that seems like where everybody went yeah yeah something like that and then just maybe a couple 5ks if i if i get the standard it's like on the first one then it's like awesome like i could choose to run another one and run a little bit faster um and that's definitely doable and it's like if i don't run fast enough the first time then i would have the second chance 1500 or something just a little bit faster something where it's like if you can run a fast 1500 early in the season off of you know mostly base work then that's usually like a a good sign and then maybe another 15 or like another road race in there just to kind of get yourself sharp so maybe like four five races or so just not all the same distance um just kind of mess around with distances and maybe doing a road race in there just to kind of switch things up Oh, so that's a yeah, a little bit more than uh, than I thought, maybe. Then, so yeah, so you're, yeah, but you're talking about starting in maybe even early April, right, for your racing season, if you're yeah. trying to trying yeah. to peak for early July. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think as long as like you don't overcook it in indoors, I think that's definitely a realistic thing that many races so if you have like a full indoor season um where you're chasing fast times at bu or someplace like that then it's kind of like okay give your body a little bit more of a break maybe only run a couple of times and then try to get a standard and go run at usa's so yeah okay all right so uh have you uh looked anything past um Anything to the future at all, or is it still just kind of focused on trying to get 40 miles in? And... Yeah, I think it's still um, it's still just focusing on building up. Um, that along with, um, you know, I'm six weeks now into a new job for my full time. So it's like there's a lot of stuff going on where it's like I don't really have the time to stress about when I'm going to race. And it's also like... That's also good because I shouldn't be stressing about that right now. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if if I'm feeling good towards the end of summer. We like test things out in some local road races and stuff and just kind of see where things are at. Um, but I don't have anything marked on the calendar right now. Yeah, hoping to jump into something. Maybe that isn't there a craft 5K right around Labor Day weekend or so? Yeah, that's that'll be coming up. I don't. I think that might be a little soon, um, but that's definitely a definitely a big one. That's, maybe that's the maybe that's not the one I'm thinking of. But I thought they had a big uh, Labor Day weekend race up there. Oh, this one's on. Uh, For road Brian, racing. Oh, yeah, Brancraft's Memorial Day, so I don't know. Oh, okay. I think there's another one. Um, 
in September up there, early September. Is the victory ten yeah. k? But yeah, probably start with something like that rather than jumping right into a U.S. Championship five k or something. Kind of, <laughs> kind of get my legs under me. But right, well, we've we've talked about this. That you're more or less kind of writing off 2023, just kind of working up to a sensible build and and um, making sure all systems are go um, feeling good and building for 2024, basically. Yep, pretty much. I mean, yeah, I want to run fast in the fall, but the focus is on next year. So, yeah, yeah, but the fall, yeah, because there isn't much for track and field by then. Everybody's shutting it down, and yep, then you're then you're road racing. So, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe a low key uh, local road race is maybe what you need. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, Judge. Well, that all sounds pretty good. Thanks a lot for the time and and your insight on uh, pro uh, track scene and kind of how these meets uh, kind of duel with each other and how maybe there's just a few too many meets out there. And maybe that's why Drake is uh, struggling a little bit to get some of these uh, distance runners to come to Des Moines. Okay, well, we'll talk to you again in, in another month. Sounds good. Thank you. Before I put a bow on this podcast, wanted to tell you about a couple of interviews I have tentatively slated coming up, and it's going to be the two Emmas here coming up in the next couple weeks. Emma Hoynes, Northern Iowa sophomore, just uh, really came on at the end of her sophomore season. The former Waverly Shellrock, the Gohawk athlete, is going to be on the show. I'm recording that this week with her. And then Emma Gordon, University of Iowa senior, wrapping up her career, former Ankeny Centennial athlete. She uh, has expressed an interest to come on the podcast to talk about her podcast and much, much more as well. So the Emmas are coming up, Hoynes and Gordon, in the next couple weeks. Hope you'll be listening.